Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to a commando-turned-rugby player, turned-tech leader. Yes, our guest, Lloyd Moore, joins us to tell us about his adventurous journey on this tech leadership podcast, to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. So welcome, Lloyd. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Brilliant. And just I just noticed your accent. Where's your accent from? Yeah, so originally from Manchester, but... I've lived in so many different places. I think I'm a blend of the world. At the moment. Blend of the uh, blend of the world, and particularly the UK. You know, that's great. So, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? So, I'm currently VP of Engineering for a company called Block Demon, and what we do is we basically scale, deploy, and manage nodes, mainly for institutional customers, and indirectly uh, by those institutions for just regular uh, developers, engineers, um, people that are just curious in the space. Excellent. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that very shortly. But first, I've been reading and looking at your LinkedIn and, and obviously the conversations I had offline around your journey to your tech leadership position right now. What's that journey been like? Yeah, so I've, I've had an interesting journey uh, to where I am now. And I dare say it will continue to be interesting going forward. <laughs> So I, you know, from a young age, I, I, I was always into you know mathematics and physics, and suddenly, for different reasons, I decided that you know, um, I, because I was quite skinny and not very sporty, although interested in sports, but always the last one to get picked in a team at school. I thought, you know what, I want to do something really difficult. Why don't I become a Royal Marines commando? Wow. And to the shock of everybody. Yeah, I I went on that journey, and I, you know, I did all the all the all the training and all the tests. Kept thinking that you know just just get through this next one, and then I left uh, twelve years later. <laughs> wow, fantastic! And and uh, you, there was a mention of also you being a, a professional rugby player as well. Yeah, so you know back back in the day when it's it, it was just turning professional, and um, you know I played for a few different teams and I went kind of up. The divisions and uh, think like yeah my last team was uh, Exeter Chiefs so again that yeah another interesting fact but you know that was a many that was a long time ago if you put me on a rugby pitch today I would crumble and die oh really I'm not sure but I, you know but yeah uh, so that's great I mean that's a really interesting um, uh, navigation uh, the journey and, and what what then brought you to the tech kind of space and then to the position you are now. So in my in my last few years of the twelve years in the Marines, I was I was spotted to go and do some telecommunications training whilst in the Marines, and because the Marines are not set up, or at least when I was there to do telecommunications training, they sent me to a place called Arborfield, um, and I trained there with the aeronaut or aeronautical school, 
and I spent the best part of a couple of years there doing, you know, maths and physics and wow. electronics. And so when I left the Marines uh, after tw- after the 12 year period, I then went into um, electronic engineering and telecoms. I think my last contract was at a place called Talis Communications, working on um, encryption for uh, satellite communications and things wow. like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Being a, a fellow electronic engineer, past electronic engineer myself, I find that is great. So I, I feel I feel like kind of a, 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 you know your, your form of electronic engineering brother, you know, of, of sorts, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I do miss the electronic stuff and, and you know hardware and, and obviously the software side of it as well. So that's great. I mean, that's a great uh, meandering uh, kind of journey to where you are. So. I'm really interested to where you've kind of landed. So this organization that you've got here, what's the problem that it's solving in the market? Yeah, so so almost four years ago, the you know, the current founder decided that there, there needed to be a way to allow you know regular people to engage in the blockchain space. And there's a lot of knowledge that you need to have just to get rolling. Mm. And so the, the the initial problem to solve there was just having that easy journey for people to get into the space and and you know learn about and and even profit from you know their own blockchains and since then we've we've grown to a much bigger beast i guess the you know in service of the audience that listens to this podcast you know blockchains is technology that people are using but what problem does it solve in the technology space so it's not necessarily just a, a technology problem that it's solving it's more about allowing people to do things in a in a very trusted way so right now there's lots of things that need a third party to intervene you know a bank a government the, the, these sorts of institutions and what blockchain allows you to do is for example if i want to send some money to somebody in africa or india or china mm. i don't need to go to transunion to do that i can just encrypt um, I can sign a message and at some point in, in the near future somebody else will use their you know private key to take ownership of a, wow. of a, to- of a you know a token or, or, or similar yeah fantastic and um, and in terms of your company then bringing that back around to that understanding um, how are, are you providing that service or are you helping other people create those services so that's a great question. So what we're doing is we we are part of you know a whole suite of other organisations that are basically laying the foundations and the infrastructure for these vehicles to go down. So if you imagine you know back in the day when you know somebody built the first car and you know somebody sat on the horse looking at this car stuck in the mud uh, and you know <laughs> laughing at them, but then you know tarmac and roads came along and it was a question of right who's laughing now. And so mm. what we're doing is we're we're part of, we're part of that you know larger organisation that are that are building the roads and the tarmac and providing the infrastructure for these vehicles to to, to travel. Fantastic! Hey, great analogy. I like that. So Lloyd, what what are the kind of challenges you have in this space? Because again, I I'm not an expert in this area. Um, what are the common engineering problems you're having in this space? Yeah. So ironically, although we are a blockchain company, a lot of the stuff we do is dare I say classical software engineering uh, principle. So for example, DevOps is very big in our organization, super important. And SRE is something that's really important as well. And the reason why they're important is because we've got 
tens of thousands of nodes running in most regions of the world, if not all, and at any one, at any one moment, somebody could DDoS a machine or, or we've even had instances where, you know, some of our bare metal offerings have, you know, been set on fire. And we always, we always need to be able to be not just reactive, but, you know, automate processes to make sure that we can move that data or move that computation over somewhere else without any downtime. And that is a lot of work. <laughs> yes. It's, it sounds complicated as well. It, it's, um, I've got an image of resiliency, you know, you've got to be proper resilient and, uh, and, um, and managing risks, you know, uh, so it's not just uh, creating a risk register, but it's actually kind of having real uh, processes. Uh, so does this kind of stuff keep you up at night then? It does, but in a good way, because so you know, in the early days, it kept me up, you know, it, in the worst way possible. But now <laughs> it's, it's more, it, you know, the things that keep me up are the things that are indirectly related to that, you know, around hiring the right people, retention and mm. growing the team and making sure that you know we've got all the the right resources to keep doing an excellent job yeah i've, I've yeah i can imagine it's uh, having the um the ecosystem to to be able to create that and um so yeah having those people i mean is there anything else that kind of keeps you up at night in this kind of field and in your leadership uh, not not particularly i think that you know and the reason for that is because I'm now able to delegate to some amazing talent, you know, uh, the directors within engineering and indeed all the extended, you know, engineering leadership team are just awesome. And yeah. they complement each other in different ways. They're completely different characters, you know, from different regions of the world. And they all come together to provide this just excellent force of nature within engineering. Yeah. I love it. And that's kind of an interesting topic because it's come up a few times. Uh, in, in the last couple of weeks, which is kind of the art of delegation, you know, because this is the, this is the, you know, this is where leaders become, go from being great to absolutely kind of, you know, rock stars. Um, any tips on, on how you delegate and, and how you, how you make that work for you? That's a great question. It's one of those questions where, I, you know, I can see it and feel it inside my brain and yes, try, but I will try to articulate it. So what I, what I, what we try to do and what I've always tried to do is provide as much autonomy as possible for people to do things in the way that they they feel that they should but always have you know through consensus alignment through the different teams and the reason why that's important is because you know as you scale you don't want to become some big monolithic unit you want you actually want to go faster not slower and there tends to be in a lot of um, organizations this belief that as you get bigger and bring in process that you must go slower. I, I'm, I'm against that completely, and it's it can be controversial at times, mm. or it has been in the past. And I think that you can you can you can get the best of both worlds. You can scale and you can go faster. And so what I what I try to do is delegate anything that doesn't have to be me to do it. Yeah. You know, so wow. if I don't have to be the person that you know to you know to sign that you know that contract or or make that budgeting decision or make that architectural decision. I want to empower, you know, the directors and the di directors, directors to the engineering managers and so on. So, so that's great. My, so my tip, although not exclusive to me, I guess is delegate as much as possible, but not too much. Yeah. And so there's kind of few things that come up for me from a leadership perspective, and this is 
you know wonderful form of leadership because i think yeah um, i always joke that sometimes you know being a great leader is actually trying to make your life as easy as possible you know to to kind of you know to get it off your plate you know give it to other people obviously that solves some problems but it kind of creates other challenges as well and those challenges are being able to trust people to make the right decisions um and also if they get it wrong you know what do you do then so do you want to speak to that yeah so i kind of liken this to a form of you know architecture which is i think gartner came up with the concept of pace layers and so with pace layers there's the really slow paced stuff which if you get wrong it could be the end of the company right so above that you've got at the top you've got things that can you know change rapidly and it doesn't really matter and so you don't need to make those architectural decisions up front and mm. and so if you liken that to you know bringing in the right leaders if you bring in a you know a director who is is really really bad and you've made a really bad call that can be almost impossible to rectify and 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 still have a healthy business mm. and so what we do is make sure that we spend a lot of time recruiting for and training the right people uh, for the right role, because if it does go wrong and it hasn't yet, uh, at least at the director level, then how do you how do you fix that? It, it's a difficult one and, it, mm. and it's very contextual. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And um, yeah, kind of getting that wrong. And, and I guess the, the other thing, you know, mentioned here is that trust, because, you know, it's something that people say, oh, we need to have trust in organisations, but that's that's not something you get out of the bag, you know? Um, I mean, any kind of tips on on making sure that there's going to be trust in the space and how you generate that? So from a, from a hiring perspective, always try to bring in people that you that you know from a, a previous role or you know previous organization mm. because that's the the easiest way and it, it and it seems and it sounds really obvious but you know if you know the person it's going to be much easier to trust them and if you've seen them in a, in a similar role then again it's even e an easier decision yes and then uh, and then after that make sure that you've got really good training objectives and very clear definitions of what right looks like hmm. and, and after that i think the rest of it is just um you know billy basics make sure that you, your doors open that that psychologically it's a safe place for people to bring up issues and just make people feel part of a family yeah that's great a sense of belonging i mean it's just a, a topic again that seems to be in the in the kind of business world at the moment if people feeling belong especially during this covid kind of uh, era you know for people Absolutely. listening in the future we're still in that covid uh kind of hopefully the uh, closing chapter we're on the final pages of that book i, I, I don't know I'm a bit hopeful there um and you know again coming back to that kind of delegation it's um you know uh Get, getting it very clear what you want that clarity that comprehension of what you're trying to achieve uh, what you're delegating what is it you're delegating and making sure people do that uh, and again you know that kind of comprehension of what's been delegated and then people being accountable and responsible for that any tips on there from your leadership perspective yeah again just just being absolutely clear on on, on outcomes and you know some, something that we that we're doing in, in Bot demon is we're using okrs so yeah. company OKRs and all the way down to personal OKRs as well. And having the ability to 
really you know well define the outcomes that you want is it, it's almost like magic suddenly mm -hmm. there's clarity throughout the whole organization it's easy to manage up and report on things because there's visibility about all the problems all the successes and that seeps all the way down to the to you know to the engine floor so it's the one yeah. better way of saying it yeah, I'm, I'm being a big fan of OKRs within IT Labs as well. It's a, it's a great way of communicating, especially if they're available for people to see. You know, you say, this is what I'm trying to do. And, you know, this is how I'm imagining, this is how the dials are kind of showing at the moment. You know, I always joke that we should have like a boiler room, you know, with a load of dials with the OKRs, you know, showing, oh, it's going well, it's over, you know, um, and what have you. So so coming back to yourself, um, Lloyd, you know, that you, the leader, you know, um, what's the thing that makes you jump out of bed in the morning you know is it is it to kind of do those press-ups and and push-ups from your commando days and uh, and rugby days <laughs> <laughs> so being part of the block demon journey and going you know going through the growth from i think the engineering team actually was nine ten people when i took the role and it's now in engineering it's a lot 190 200 there's more each week and so wow. being part of that journey, that's what gets me up. And, you know, we've, we've been through a series A, we've been through a series B, um, maybe sometime in the future, we'll go through series C. Um, just being part of that, that journey, that growth and just, and, and knowing what we've accomplished and knowing what's on the roadmap, that's, that alone is enough for me to get out of bed. Wow, fantastic. It sounds really exciting. And it's great to hear that you're kind of growing. And it sounds pretty astronomical. I've got the image of a, an exponential curve here, you know, kind of, it's kind of, it's built up, built up its steam and it's on its way up kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's an interesting topic in itself, you know, tech leaders uh, and, lead, and generally leaders of organisations that are growing, you know, I always think about what are the foundations that make that growth easier? Have you got any tips on that or any experiences that haven't worked or are working? Yeah, so it's not often talked about in, in the right way, but culture, you, you've got to have the right cultural seed. And, you know, even today, you know, one of our uh, directors and what, one of the OGs, uh, Andrew, he is often, you know, talking to, you know, just new recruits that, that have come through the door, just basically making sure that everybody knows the history of the company and everybody knows that, you know, why you know why we're doing certain things in the way that we are and you know why is that cobweb over there in that cupboard you know <laughs> making sure that you know culturally culturally we all know the story and 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 not just andrew but you know everybody they then pass it that they then pass on the same message and make sure that everybody's got that feeling of being in a, in a massive family yeah that's great and Again, this really resonates with me because sometimes people say, you know, vision, mission, all that, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, just give me the money, you know, kind of thing. Um, and but, but I align with uh, what your organisation, what your leadership uh, are doing is to kind of reiterate it because, um, but the question I have for you then in service of the audience is that how do you kind of make sure that you reiterate that in a way that doesn't sound like a broken record, you know? Yeah, so you've got to, You've got to do it unapologetically and you've got to remind people, hey, you know, each month there's new people coming in. And so if you feel like you're hearing the same story again, this is why, because it's not the first time for you, but it's the first time for the new guys and girls that are coming through the door. Through the door. And yeah. yeah, just no apologies, just that's why. And that's it. And everybody's on the same, you know. Yeah. 
it's looking the same direction. I love what you say there about being unapologetic about it, you know, to kind of just keep reiterating, because it is important. I mean, this is a really key part of leading and making sure the organisation is aligned. Because interestingly, I guess we forget ourselves what the why sometimes. And, and, and I guess, you know, coming on to a topic that I wanted to discuss here is that kind of leading remotely. As I mentioned, we're, all, we're still uh, living in this kind of COVID uh, era, uh, that chapter uh, of our journey. Um, and leading remotely, um, all those kind of things that will sometimes remind us what we're trying to achieve, those conversations, those meetings, those beautiful posters on the wall, like, this is why we're doing this, and these are, these yeah, are our yeah. customers. That's all kind of gone, you know, at the moment. Uh, any tips around leading remotely and, and creating the right environment, ecosystem for that to... Yeah, so, you know, make sure that you've got, you know, really great communication tools. And then, above all other things, over-communication. Over-communication, over-communication. Making sure that things, again, are repeated and making sure that everybody understands if there's a problem, who you can go to and just being and trying to make sure that there's someone online for anybody that needs anything. Yeah. It's people knowing each other, that network, you know, network. So, so here we go. Um, kind of the, the, uh, the, the idea of a racy, you know, the, the, you know, who's responsible, who's, you know, got to be communicated and informed. I mean, do you going to go down to that depth or is it more kind of informal network? So, yeah, no, it's a great question. So we're now bringing in processes where we're going from informal to formal, but we've always had that concept of, you know, almost like a racy, but with multiple people at the on the R and the A, um, because yes. you know a racy tends to like force it to be one person, but we like a bit more consensus around things. So, like, yeah. uh, you know, for things like you know business continuity, for example. It's always amazed me how racism doesn't have this built in, but you know, there you go. It's something that we do differently. Yeah, I like that. That's great. That's a really nice perspective, which kind of brings me onto a topic that I'm really passionate about, and we're really passionate about it in IT Labs is business agility. So, the ability for an organization to be able to adapt to change. And you, your organization, the work you're doing is very much at the edge of the current technology you know so you're you're not living in a, a business as usual kind of market it's a kind of like you know we're making this up as we go along almost you know so we're having to adapt so so from, from that business agility perspective how as an organization have you kind of structured yourself because it requires the whole organization to be agile indeed so yeah indeed a great question so as we got to a point where we could no longer rely on engineers to you know manage projects and you know and almost be like you know uh, delivery managers we then thought okay we're gonna need some we're gonna need some grown-ups to come in and help the engineers and and you know the production uh, the uh, the product team all be in alignment you know relationship mm. managers and so on and so we've now got a you know a program director who is evolving like her team with you know project managers technical bas um interfaces between you know product and engineering and and that and that is working really well and Excellent. it's been a pain point as, as we've grown but you know taking that decision uh, earlier on and arguably we could have done it earlier has been already um, there's been a, like a massive offset of work that engineers were, were doing and now they're just able to like focus on delivering great products. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. And from a 
um, an area that I always find fascinating with an organization because it's not just about the technology and delivering technology. It's also around the kind of financial, the health of the organization, because it needs, you know, it needs the, uh, you know, that, that magic stuff to kind of keep it going, the, the finances. Um, so from a kind of a financial perspective, you know, the CFO and, and, and the tech side and the kind of the, the leadership group that kind of set in the general direction. Um, it, what's the interactions like that in your organization is it is it kind of like a, a constant conversation of adapting is that we've come up with a new project we need to invest in this or do you have to kind of wait on your kind of quarterly cycles yeah so it, it is it, it is an ongoing conversation and you know our c-suite is outstanding i've never gone to you know the c-suite and you know asked for something that was that was critical and ever been refused in the early days, you know, Constantine, he found some way for me to bring in new engineers. And so those, so those conversations are really, really easy. And mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, in, in other, other organizations where, you know, different managers and directors and VPs have got budgets up until now, it's just been a, it's been very evolutionary and, you know, so far so good. So we yeah. must be doing something right. Sounds great. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful environment. I feel the openness, you know, to have the conversations that you need. Again, it yeah. kind of touches on that trust thing at the kind of higher levels of the organization to create those conversations, you know, say what you need and I'll do what I can, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. brilliant, you know, kudos, you know, well done to, to all of you um, at Block Demon. So as we come towards the closing arc of our podcast, our time together, unfortunately, Lloyd, you know, I could speak to you for hours. Um, <laughs> Um, what advice would you give to uh, aspiring leaders out there listening to this, you know, because they, they've obviously heard your story and it's a very unique story. I mean, do they need to go and become a commando and then a rugby player <laughs> and then a tech leader? I think if you if you know that you want to be a leader, then you need to try it out, basically. So, you know, get yourself in, a, in an open source project, see if you can sway people through guidance and looking ahead and noticing obstacles and alerting you know that small team to mm. those things that are, that are going to be in the way and then you know if you've got a good feeling for that then yeah. it's time to you know uh, to to kind of like upskill and and then seek out other opportunities and and then to those people that don't think that they are a leader what they may find is that they'll be on a project. And this is something that certainly happened to me in the early days that people just naturally select them to be in charge. And so, yeah, so my advice would be, yeah, if you want to be a leader, give it a go in a very small format and yes. see where that takes you. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, you hear about stories about people that are going to get promoted up into leadership and it's not for them. You know, they're, they're techies. We've had a few guests on that actually didn't want to become tech leaders. They want to stay in the in the weeds. They love it. They love that coding. I must admit, I, I pine for the days when I used to do a bit of coding, I kind of my C++, you know, embedded C++ programming. Um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, I like the idea of uh, giving it a go and, and seeing how it fits, how the clothes fit, you know, does it is it the right thing? And um and any kind of like particular things on your journey that have been gateways for you, you know, like books, has there been a book or a TED talk or a, or a, a person you've met that's been the gateway for you to actually take you in the direction you've gone? Wow. So, so at home, I've got a, an extensive library. I am an avid book reader. Cool. Um, currently reading something called Hamlet's Mill, completely unrelated to this conversation, but <laughs> it's not something that I read in the early days. 
but it's something that I've, I've read of late and it's made me think about how deeply connected everything is and it's made me think about you know how relevant some things that I've done are that, that I've seen you know completely unrelated one book that does come to mind is the Phoenix Project ah yes that's yeah. just an amazing book it's it's so on point <laughs> <laughs> yes that you know that 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 story of you know being in an organization where people hide behind process and blame just rolls downhill mm. and then having this champion that is forced into the situation where he's faced with doing the seemingly impossible and then by just doing things and thinking you know doing things in, in a different way getting back to basics and then just thinking about the why you know um being able to deliver yeah that was a really thought-provoking book as well it is a good book it is really good in fact you you've inspired me to want to read it again it's it's quite a big book but uh, uh I, i'm going to give it a go because i think it has got some valuable stuff in there and uh here we go here's a is a really nice fun question for you if i was a tech genie in fact i am you know i am a tech genie <laughs> and i offer wishes what would you wish for for your leadership your organization for the world of tech even wow the power Anything. <laughs> yeah Anything. i would wish for a tool that automatically generated perfect documentation for anything that we built wow i like it yes because <laughs> that is important you know you know yeah. so you can pass on the knowledge and wisdom um which brings which brings me on to the perspective of books you know how books can offer stuff i mean books are full of somebody's life and thoughts and and, and blood sweat and tears you know and handing it over and going here you go you know so yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna work on that one because i think this is an important one okay and i'll let you know when it's done one thing I'd like to say on, on books as well is something that, and I think it was a couple of years ago, was it Naval? I can't remember, but I remember hearing something about the way people read books. And this guy said that he now reads more books because he doesn't feel bad about not finishing them. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, wow. Yeah. There was this monkey on my shoulder that I didn't know was there. And suddenly I was able to just dive into books read a little bit or read all of it and not feel bad. Mm. And, and so now I've got an extensive library and every now and again, I can just dive in and I don't feel bad that I've not finished all of them. Excellent. So, I like so, that. Yeah. So my advice would be to, I'd like to pass that advice on and don't, you know, don't feel bad if you don't read all of the book. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. I'm going to throw one of my tips in as well, actually, because I think that's a really good one. And my tip is that whenever I read, a, pick up a book, I've got one here. Um, I always write at the beginning of it, why I'm reading it, what's the why, which comes back to your why. So yeah, sometimes great. you kind of lose and you're reading and go, ah, yeah, that was why this is important to me. And it kind of creates that um, inspiration again to kind of stick with it, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I think, I think reading is an art and, and we don't, we don't dwell on the art of reading enough, you know? So that's a really good one. In fact, I've got a few books that I'm going to now think, do you know what, that's enough. And they're going to go over my shoulder. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to finish them, you know? Um, so thank you for that. And as we come to the final full stop of the podcast, what's the key takeaway that you'd like to leave the men, women, tech leaders out there? What's your gift to them? Oh, that's a great question. But believe in yourself, believe that you're not the only one that's thinking that you're not great at this or even good. 
or even worthy, you will be surprised just how far you can go if you just take the first step. Brilliant. What an inspiring note to finish on. Thank you for your time, Lloyd. It's been wonderful having you on CTO Confession, sir. No, it's been great just being at a chat about me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Well, check that out. If there ever was an adventure of a journey to tech leadership, Lloyd's would be one. Loads and loads of takeaways from me on this one. What were yours? I mean, seriously, Commando. I'm going to call him Tech Commando from now on. <laughs> I'm only kidding, Lloyd. So my first key takeaway is about the creation of the blockchain infrastructure to help people get into the blockchain space quickly, smoothly and effectively. The work that Blockdemon are doing looks fascinating and an excellent accelerant to enabling the power of this tech further into the tech market. My second key takeaway is around Lloyd's belief that getting bigger doesn't mean you have to go slower. You need to empower and delegate as much as possible, but not too much. It's a balance. Lloyd mentioned the Gartner pace layers, where the really slow pace stuff that if you get wrong could be the end of the organisation and the company needs to be mulled over and communicated to the top echelons of the organisation in more detail. And other stuff, the more faster pace stuff, can be delegated to the people doing the work at the coalface and getting it done and getting it out of the way clear safe layers of delegation my third and final key takeaway is around trust that old chestnut lloyd referred to it as the billy basics number one make sure that your doors are always open from a leadership perspective allow people to kind of walk in and ask those questions that they're mulling over number two create a psychologically safe space for people to bring their issues to you and thirdly just make people feel part of the family and related to this was Lloyd's mention of the cultural seed to create a healthy growth within the organisation. Having the right cultural seed and nurturing that constantly, making sure that everybody knows the history of the organisation, including those cobwebs in the cupboard and why they're there. Knowing the organisation's cultural seed allows the right things to grow in the right direction. And everyone is passing on the same information to the new generations coming into the organisation. So thank you, Lloyd, for your time. I'm saluting you as any respectable tech leadership commando should be. So thank you for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to hearing about block demons, block busting impacts in the tech space. So thank you, sir. Thank you for being on CTO Confessions podcast. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.